Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we are joined by the wonderful Shalom Brune Franklin to talk all about great expectations. And obviously, when, whenever you're developing a character, you're you're studying your own character extensively, and in playing Estella in the series, there's so much in terms of her backstory from the book mm-hmm. and also everything in the scripts. Uh, with what Stephen Knight's created but I was actually really interested in in what you wanted to kind of study and really understand about Miss Havisham in terms of character development for you because obviously Estella's grown up in this very particular household and a lot of her worldview has really been formed by this woman who's you know adopted her and, and raised her in this very specific way and so as you were developing Estella how did aspects of Miss Havisham influence the way that you were shaping her as a character? That is such a great question. I think that was sort of the the basis of the whole conversation around where we were building Estella from with the director. Um, He really wanted to to explore what that relationship was and how toxic it was, that that parent-child relationship. and it was kind of where we we began the character exploration, I think. So it's so funny you asked that as the first question. That was the sort of, I wanted to portray somebody that, that had been raised by someone who was incredibly mentally unwell. I think to say Miss Havisham is mentally unwell is a bit of an understatement. She, I think Olivia has even said she needed a therapist. It might have, Estella and Miss Havisham might have had a better life if she'd had a therapist. But it's exactly that. It's what happens when you are raised in a household with somebody who suffers from mental illness, who you have to watch your every single move around, who this person is trying to shape you to be something very specific. So any kind of natural expression that might veer off what she wants you to be is very quickly brought right back in. And so it kind of breeds this like incredibly tight held very aware of everyone in the space at all times sort of person. And that's kind of where we started the entire journey of her. There was a lot of conversations about, about what went on in that house and, and wanting to make that feel really real and not in any way overplayed or romanticized or theatrical. So yeah, that was sort of kind of where we began. That's so funny. you. That was your first question. That's kind of like the first question in rehearsals, weirdly enough. I mean, speaking of rehearsals as well, I really love the fact that it sounds like there was a lot of extensive time to really explore the younger version of Estella with Chloe Leah, and that it sounds like you actually spent more time kind of working directly with her, even than necessarily some of the the contemporary cast within the storyline. And that the two of you would really dive into each other's scenes and kind of do read-throughs of each other's Mm -hmm. version of it. And I, I, I thought that was such a wonderful exercise to have, especially for your portrayal, where it's coming off the heels of everything in the earlier scenes. So how did really doing such a deep dive and getting to actually physically play around with those scenes really help you? was so helpful and it was really um the director really wanted to make sure that we felt like the same person and that there wasn't this huge jump that all of a sudden she grows up and you're like well I don't recognize anything to do with that person and what I loved even when I was watching it back I didn't realize there were things that Brady had asked her to do that they shot after we had shot so little things like pushing Finn into the room you know that was like one of his first lessons of learning to be a gentleman she sort of shoves him into that room and I I do the same in episode two when he meets Mrs Gibbons Um, but yeah I think it was really good just making sure that we had the same sort of tone a similar voice that it really felt like one person and not 
completely separate, I think. Um, and it was amazing to, to read each other's scenes as well. And what I thought was incredible about Chloe, she's so good in the show. Like she's unbelievably talented at 16. And in the rehearsals, she was given one of my scenes to read. And honestly, I'm not lying when I say she read it better than I ever could. <laughs> like, I was like, is there any way we could just put prosthetics on you and make you look a bit older and play my part as well? Because you are so talented. Um, yeah, she's she's unreal. I can't I can't quite believe it. It's so good. I, I love that, you know, and and you're playing a character where a lot of times when we see and meet Estella in kind of the book and, and in iterations of this story it's very often through the perspective of of Pip and his visits and you know we don't always get as much of that time behind the scenes and the quiet moments and yet it feels like there's a real focus on that in this in this iteration of it Um, and so how did that really help you to kind of find these two very different sides of who is she when Pip's in the room because that's a very different version when someone from the outside world enters the house against who is she when she's sitting in her bedroom by herself looking out the window when he's at the gate or when it's just her and Miss Havisham and no one else is around yeah that's such a yeah, it's it's that whole like public versus private thing for this character. And there's an added layer as well, because she doesn't have that private space in her own home unless her mother is high, essentially. And she can have that time alone is what I'm assuming, but what I took away from it. And I think it was really important that, as you say, in the book, we are constantly told who Estella is and how she feels through the eyes of Pip. And so I was so excited when I read Stephen's script that there were these little moments um, that were built in that were showing how she really felt about Pip and how terrified she really was of those feelings because they betrayed everything that she had been told and taught. And she knew that those feelings were wrong and would lead her to heartbreak and would lead her to essentially end up just like her mum. And so she was so fearful of those feelings. And yet, you know, she can't help the way she felt about him, can she? She can't help it. But the last person she was going to show is him. And there were some moments as well that we kind of just played with on the day of of him getting out of the carriage and then what happens in that scene after. I think that's in episode four of Brady just kind of throws things at you in the moment and he doesn't call cut. And you're like, okay, yep, I guess we're going to see how Estella feels in this moment. It might stay in, it might not. Um, But yeah, it's it's fun, I I guess, trying getting to like color someone in in my own way and take yeah I think yeah I don't really know how I was ending that question I just sort of kept talking with with Brady as a director as well um it sounds like there was a lot of opportunity to kind of try different directions and and particularly with Estella Mm -hmm. it's there's so much of how much does she show on the surface versus how much is always constantly concealed um and so I wanted to ask you about going into scenes and getting that opportunity to really play around particularly when it comes to the dynamic with her and Pip of you know are there moments where she's going to allow glimpses of her true emotion towards him against scenes and versions of the same scene that you would play where everything was completely concealed just to kind of see what really worked yeah no that's such a that was the main thing that Brady wanted to work on he it was so funny because sometimes we would shoot one scene and and we would do four completely different performances of it and I just thought 
I really hope this works out. Like, I really hope that this character doesn't come across like a sociopath. Like, because sometimes we would try, as you said, holding back a little bit, other times letting little glimpses through. And so I guess that's more just having complete trust in him because I think he's incredible. And I just was fully in his hands. I was like, you tell me, jump. I'll ask how high. Like, that is the relationship we had. Um, And I think, yeah, that going back to that, that, idea of what she's feeling versus what her head is telling her I think you know she's somebody who doesn't love herself and therefore I don't really think is capable of loving somebody else she hasn't done she doesn't have the tools to to do the work on herself to find herself worthy of unconditional love it's something that she's never experienced she's a girl who was adopted who's been told some really nasty things that she was thrown away that nobody wanted her and so there's so much pain there and the idea of allowing herself to be loved the idea of allowing yourself to be loved when when you've experienced those things is probably one of the most terrifying things in the world because you think that person's just going to leave you as well and so I think she feels like it's safer for her to just always be the person with the upper hand therefore the person who never shows how they truly feel about any situation therefore you're always the person in power when even if you're sort of dying inside is it is it quite challenging to play a role where so much has to be kept underneath the surface because in Mm. essence the audience still has to kind of connect and understand what she's feeling and what her motivations are but yet she doesn't want to reveal that to the other characters within a scene yeah, it is. It's, I honestly think it does come back again to trust because I, I remember this in shooting a scene in a different show um, where I, I had to play this character who knew the character she was meeting for the first time they had met before. And so it's this idea of, I know I need to act in this moment and be really believable, but how does the audience not know? And I was like, this isn't believable in the moment. And it's going back and forth with the director and probably him tearing his hair out, being like, oh, you're asking too many questions. But it's that thing of just really trusting, I think, in the person who is walking you through the story is sort of, yeah, that what I always come back to. I love that, you know, and, and also in terms of the emotional trajectory of this character, because of when you were filming, you had to do chemistry tests, auditions, mm. and, and a lot of rehearsal even virtually over Zoom. And so I, I've heard you talk about how the costumes, you know, that costumes always are such a, a great way to kind of like find elements of a character. But it yeah. sounds like with this experience, even more so just having that physical aspect once you were in fittings. And I love the detailing and how the costumes really kind of arc this trajectory. You know, when Pip's in the world, even just like her hair's more put together, it's more disheveled mm. when he's not there. The costumes kind of have different levels of like formality and disarray, depending on that dynamic and, and where she's at as well. So beyond even just the fact that the costumes really allowed you a space to step into the character in such a physical way at that stage, how did it also help you to chart? a lot of the emotional trajectory you are such nice questions how good you ask lovely questions gosh yeah I mean like I've never experienced that many fittings for a show in my life and I don't know if I ever will again I definitely didn't take them for granted I got to meet so many incredible people who are geniuses and the best at what they do and so it was such a strange experience because everything was on zoom like you said Uh, read throughs some of the rehearsals the chemistry read I hadn't even met Finn yet and 
I had had so many fittings before I'd even met Finn. So I, I had this, we were kind of building this character and I was going through it from the team of creatives that were creating what this person looked like before we were even having conversations about what this character's emotional journey was and the part where I come into it. And so it was really strange. It was kind of like working from the outside in, which is always the opposite of what I do. I always think you have to come from the inside out. So it was kind of cool. And the team was just incredible. And I can't speak higher of Verity, the costume designer. I just think she's a genius. And I remember seeing all of her sketches and she was talking about this idea of Miss Habersham rotting from the from the inside out, sort of that everything in the house was crashing in and you know there was sort of like moss on the dresses and everything was kind of decaying and her concept for Estella was it was a woman in bloom and so it was all these different shades of of all these flowers blooming and I thought this lady is crazy I was like I was looking at these like pictures and all these references and she was grabbing things from everywhere and I thought I don't know how this is all going to come together. And I think like, if you just watch the show and see the costumes, the proof is in the pudding. Like it's, it's unbelievable. It's the first thing that people talk about as well. When they, when they see it, all my family have been like, that dress in the ballroom is unbelievable. And I think, sorry, it's not really answering your question about how it helps with my emotional journey, but I mean, it kind of does half the work for you when you put on those costumes. (laughs) Sounds a bit of a cop out of an answer, isn't it? No, not at all. It, I, I love that that detail. And, you know, with Estella with as well, obviously the, the first half of the series, we're really just seeing her in the scope of this house with Miss Havisham. And then there is kind of like that first moment where she really gets the chance to step out into the world, but it's still this different kind of cage and prison. It's you're going to go meet this man that I've decided that you're going to marry and you haven't even mm-hmm. met him. And so there's that first time where she kind of like steps out and goes to London to have that first meeting with Drummle. And it's it's an interesting power play that she's having with Miss Havisham even in that moment without the two of you being in a scene together because there's that understanding of the way that I behave and the way that I have the potential to act out is still a reflection on that and she knows that everything's going to get back to her and so how did you want to utilize that as kind of continued gameplay between the two of them even though it's not a moment where the two of you are together? Oh, Miss Havisham was in the room for that scene in my head. I was imagining that she was right there and it was, it is, it's, you're going out into the world. And in those times it's, you you are a constant reflection of your family. I mean, even today, you know, like you're, you kind of do represent your family in a way. And so she was a hundred percent present and in the room during that entire thing. And I mean, I was incredibly uncomfortable in that scene anyway. That costume has to have been, I think they on purpose made the the costume and the hair the tightest, most restrictive. And it's the idea that Miss Havisham has done her hair and has dressed her up and pressed her clothes all night. And so everything about that was just so uncomfortable in the most fab way. It was so good. And, And Matthew Needham, who plays Drummle, is so good. And he was making me laugh so much that in between the takes, I know it's so horrible when you watch it but in between the takes like Finn and I were absolutely like crying with laughter like really really corpsing um but yeah like you said everything that happens in that room is a ref- is is definitely like hitting out at her mum for sure for and sure with, with you and Finn as well in that scene you know there's there's a lot at play that can never be kind of addressed in the fact that she can't even look at him you know, yeah. aside from when Drummle kind of like briefly looks away at one moment. And so how did you and Finn figure out how are we going to communicate the chemistry between the two of us mm-hmm. in a scene where 
we're sitting in the same room, but we can't even make eye contact. We can't even have a conversation with each other. Oh, it's so, it's so, that's such a good point. I think this, that's the first time that Estella has seen Pip since he's left and she was sort of warning him not to go and that he was going to be ruined by this big city. And so everything in her would want to just turn to him and and have a good look at him and see, you know, what has London done to him? How is he? It's just that one, you know, when you go to a party or something and there's that one person in the room that you're like dying to talk to, but you just can't get to each other. It's like, I think there is just that chemistry there. And so I would hope that it was, it was kind of naturally there in the way we were doing it. And also knowing that as an exercise that you couldn't look at him until Matthew had turned away, I think made it a bit more fun to play with as well. And hopefully that comes through a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, really. I hope I hope it, it shows the chemistry. Well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it does. And, and speaking a little bit more about that kind of power play between Estella and Miss Havisham, there's there's kind of different actions that that come into play in terms of that. There's the moment where Estella really stands up to her and she physically grabs yeah. the cane because it's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm holding your cane so you can't move fast and kind of come after me. I'm in charge of this moment. And there's a lot of back and forth. And then there's a really great scene later on where you know, Miss Havisham's holding broken glass in her hands and you're just kind of like picking it off, throwing it on the ground and then blowing it off and then ripping the front of her dress, which that's that's the moment where the dynamic just completely shifts between the two of them. And so were, were a lot of details like that peppered into the scripts or was that some of that discovery as well? Wow, I honestly can't remember. I think the glass was in the script. Yeah, the glass, the glass, the picking the glass off her hand was in the script. And so you get that sense from Stephen that that's exactly how he wants that scene to be. Like, so it's like the tables have turned, the manipulation is the complete other way around, the power has completely shifted. So you really got that sense from the script. But I think things like grabbing the cane, I think that might have been Brady, you know. I think Brady, yeah, I think that Brady was like, go on, really go for her. I was like, oh my God, it's Olivia Coleman though. I'm scared. <laughs> and he was like, oh, shut up. Like, get that stuff out of you. I was like, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I think that was like one of the first days of filming with her as well. So I was like, guys, this is rough. Like making me like attack Olivia Coleman on one of my first days. That's not, that's not fair. Um, but I think that was Brady's idea. I absolutely cannot take credit for that one. Yeah, it was definitely Brady. And when it comes to the moment where she meets her dad for the first time in the story as well, I thought that was a really interesting scene at play because it's not this sudden unleashing of emotion and that wouldn't have been true to her as a character as well because of the way that she's been raised. Um, And so did you have kind of a a strong sense straight away of how she would respond to a situation like that? I think so, yeah. And I think also um, the scenario in where they first meet each other is so intense but it's almost weirdly serene in a sense that she's kind of made peace with how she wants to play this in a horrible way of saying that she's kind of she's kind of done and so it's a complete shock and yeah I mean yeah it wasn't going to be a floods of tears oh my god dad you're home it was not going to be one of those kind of reunions was it and I think there was there's more skepticism than anything it's really trying to figure out who the person is and somebody who just turns up on your doorstep claiming to be your father how do you really know that that's who they are and so it's just the the practical I think she turns straight into a practical way of thinking and going into right okay let me figure out who you are and then that moment I think where the penny kind of drops for her is when he says 
you know, I, I had you in my coat when you were a baby and I was fleeing. And I think that's where she goes, okay, this is clearly the guy. And I, I think any kind of emotion that she would feel in that moment, as you said before, it just completely gets suckered right back up because it's like, nope, don't show this person how you feel because that person can hurt you. And that person already has hurt you a lot. And also there's a lot of anger. Like he's the reason that she's had this horrible upbringing. He, he, I think there's a lot of anger there and a lot of resentment too. So I think, I think all of those things are are such a huge mix of emotion that her like natural mode to go into is just stone almost. And right before that moment as well is a moment where she's kind of, you know, it's going back to that idea of the the private side of that character where she's by herself and there's kind of this, this short kind of like monologue in her speaking to herself and she's essentially about to self-harm right mm. before he comes around the corner. And so how did you want to go into a scene like that or kind of like what were the important beats or emotional moments of that for you? Yeah. Gosh, that was such a crazy night shoot as well. It was so mental. Um I think I think I really just wanted to capture a sense of having made some kind of peace, which is maybe a really strange thing to say. Um, And also that the only thing disturbing her peace, even at that moment, was Pip. And, And that was the one thing that still, even at the potential end of things, was going to be the question mark that was still going to be there. I think that was sort of the the sense that the director and I wanted to wanted to go towards, I think. Yeah. And with playing a character whose whose edges have been so vivaciously sharpened throughout her entire life, you know, she's been built as this weapon against men and, you know, mm. told to suppress all her emotions. You know, we she doesn't suddenly become completely soft and, and cuddly by the end of it. <laughs> but but we do see kind of a softening in her own very specific way. And even just the way that she communicates her affection is, is kind of very specific to her. Um, mm-hmm. And so how did you approach going into what does it look like when she softens a little bit, but knowing that she's still always going to be hardened to a certain degree because of her entire upbringing? Yeah, I think that for me was, it was, it was thinking about how somebody who has that level of self-awareness reacts when they're almost like their body betrays them in a way. It's like that moment of softness, but then instantly you're aware of what you're doing and then it becomes completely self-conscious. So there are moments of that kind of soft thing happening, but instantly you're, you're kind of aware of what you're doing at every single moment, which is kind of sad, really. It's somebody who can't like even enjoy a little bit of spontaneity or any kind of light moments that Miss Havisham, mate, she, she's really done some damage. Like she doesn't, we don't hound on her enough for ruining these people's lives. She's the villain guys. (laughs) It also sounds like you, you and Finn had certain conversations in, in relation to the, the kind of affection between her and Pip and particularly when does it shift from him being in love with the idea of her to it kind of being this very genuine affection. And it kind of feels like that goes both ways as well. You know, for her, it's, I love kind of being able to play this game and then it becomes this genuine affection for her. And so did the two of you kind of find specific points in the story or or specific moments where you really felt like those shifts took place for each of you? Yeah. I, we had such a great conversation right towards the beginning where I remember Finn, like, asking this question and going, do we even think that he genuinely loves her at all? 
Like, do we do we ever like in this adaptation, you know, because I think what Stephen has done is he really has shown the unlikable side of Pip, um, which is such a huge thing, I think, when I read the book, is he's not a likable guy the whole time. He's trying to disown the people that he grew up with, the people that gave him everything because he wants to better himself. And therefore he thinks turning away from all of those people who raised him will make him better and he'll become this this person and have all the happiness and the money in the world. And Estella is a part of him getting what he wants. It's getting the girl, getting the money, becoming a gentleman, sailing to Cairo, doing all these things. And so we had some really interesting conversations that, you know, does it start off as this obsession with, with wanting something more for yourself and then kind of accidentally he does fall in love because I truly believe that he he has to be in love with her I was like no 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 he he has to really truly care about her we can't it can't be that horrible and sinister the whole time um but I think the the real moment of seeing that spark between the two of them was the the dance uh the ballroom dancing scene where we jump in time um and that physical intimacy, even with just like that tiny thumb touch on the back, little things like that, because they're always being observed. They're very rarely left alone. It's the gate, the entrances and the exits are the only time they have alone. And so I think those were the only times that we could have a little bit of a play with something a little bit softer and more affectionate and cheeky with a twinkle behind the eye. Because as soon as you're in front of Miss Havisham, it's like it's business, you know? What's fascinating as well with this character is that when you really step back, she projects such an extensive amount of self-confidence and Mm. yet it feels like she's one of the most fragile characters as well and full of so many vulnerabilities. And it feels like if anyone cracks past the surface that she's just going to completely fall apart. Um, And so how did you view that, that fragility that you wanted to capture? I think it's that, that, um, there's like a misconception that somebody who comes across incredibly strong and confident uh, isn't might, you know, that they have everything together and they're completely fine. It's that, especially with women as well, like this concept of if they come across a certain way, we just completely don't assume that it might be different behind closed doors. And so, I mean, and I think those two things can exist at the same time as well. I think you can, it's it's a game to her it's her armor and so she uses it in order to hide all those horrible feelings that she's having inside of herself and and given that it was it was such a complex role in terms of so many of the different emotional facets of her on on the back of it what would you say ended up being the most challenging aspects of playing Estella for you my gosh the most challenging aspect can I say wearing a corset that's a complete (laughs) I can't say that I can't say that it's a true answer (laughs) Yeah, it is wearing a corset in summer. Oh my gosh. Um, I think just, I'm someone that always, I always want to wear my heart on my sleeve and kind of, I'm so expressive as well with my face. And I'm, I, I think just completely holding back all the time and bottling everything and still believing that that is like powerful and as watchable. I think that for me as an actor as might sound a bit cheesy I think that is actually what was hardest and again comes back to the fact that I trusted Brady with my life I was just like please is am I being is it not enough he's like I promise you it's enough I promise 
And wearing a corset in summer. <laughs> and wearing a corset in summer. I mean, that's my true question. That's my like non-actory answer, but like wearing a corset and like 75 layers. It's not just a corset. It's like petticoats. It's, oh my God. I should, probably shouldn't say, pe- is it a petticoat? I don't even know if that's the word that it is, that little layer that goes in. Oh, well, that's for Verity to talk about. I'm I'm not in my element now. Well, it's it's such a great performance. So congratulations on, oh, on everything. So and thank you so much. Really appreciate this. Thank you. These questions were so lush. How good. Thank you. <laughs>